You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Thursday, January 28th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangreenNation.com. And if you are just joining us for the first time, welcome. This is a daily podcast on the New York Jets. Through most of the year, we post new episodes each day, Monday through Friday. If you like what you hear, subscribe to this show, and you will automatically receive these episodes as they are posted each day. Also, leave the show a good review if you like it. It helps us out quite a bit. Our focus is now on the offseason for the New York Jets. It should be a very active offseason. This is a roster that needs a lot of work as the Jets look to improve themselves after a dismal 2-14 and 14 season in the year 2020. And one of the first things any team in the NFL has to do approaching the offseason is self-assessment. And they need to figure out which of the players they want to keep and which players they're going to cut. And when a player is cut, it's not always because the player is bad. It's because sometimes the player just makes too much money. There are cap implications for some cuts. And we are going to talk about some candidates who could be cut for cap reasons by the Jets over the next few weeks and months. Now, the Jets are scheduled to have quite a bit of cap space this offseason. How much money will they have exactly? I don't know. Neither does anybody else. Anybody who's giving you a number is just giving an estimate because the NFL has not officially announced the salary cap for the year 2021. And they usually do not do it until just before the start of the new year, the new league year in March. So, It'll be a few weeks before we know the exact figure. We can guess what it's going to be. We can guess it's going to go down before the start of the 2020 season. The players and the league agreed that it would not go below $175 million. Now, that agreement had to be reached because the salary cap is determined by league revenues. And we knew league revenues were going to be down in the year 2020 because fans were not able to attend games. Nobody, People could not buy tickets. I know there were some limited attendance across the league, but ticket sales were way down this year, which means the cap is likely to go down, but we will find out for sure in a few weeks. Even though the Jets have a lot of money, there are some contracts which may not make sense for them. They may not make sense because the player's making too much money. They may not make sense just because the player is not productive. They also may not make sense because a player may not fit their system, the new systems that are being installed. And on today's show, we're going to take a look at some of the candidates who could be cut for cap reasons, who, who may not be cut for cap reasons. You know, we'll find out in the weeks ahead. But these are players who will save the Jets at least a few million dollars against the cap if they are cut. And I'm going to break these three players into three categories. The first category is going to be players who I think the Jets should keep. Even though it would save money to cut them, I think the Jets should keep these players. The second category is going to be players you could go either way on depending on certain circumstances. And the third category is players the Jets should definitely cut. And as I said, we will begin with players I think the Jets should keep. And 
as a reminder, we are going to go with players who at least would save the Jets a few million dollars. I'm not going to talk about players who would save the Jets a minimal amount of money. I'm not going to talk about underperforming players who would cost the Jets a lot of money to cut. We're just going to talk about players who could create a little bit more cap space for the Jets heading into the offseason. And as I mentioned, the first category are going to be players I think the Jets should keep. And I will begin with Greg Van Roten, who was the starting right guard this year for the Jets. The team would save $3.4 million if they cut him. I just think Van Roten is a solid, if unspectacular, player. Do you want him as the starting right guard going forward? I think he's a guy you could get away with. I mean, look, he's not a difference maker at the guard position, but I think he's decent enough you could get by with him if you put together a decent offensive line. In fact, I would even say that in hindsight, this was a pretty good signing because even though Van Roten was not a superstar at the guard position, he was, I would argue, a little bit better than Brian Winters. And even if you want to argue he was about the same as Brian Winters, he cost about half as much. So even if you did not improve, you at least saved money. You got the same level of production, if not a little bit better, for half the price. So that's a pretty good deal. As I said, I think you can get by with him. And in a world where the Jets are able to find a replacement, Van Roten is a solid backup. And with a cap number of around $3.6, $3.7 million next year, I think that's, that's acceptable for an offensive line backup. So I would say keep Greg Van Roten. Now, the next guy I'm going to mention is somebody who's unpopular among Jets fans because he had a horrible year in 2020. And he was a non-factor in 2019. I don't think he's going to be cut, and I don't think he should be cut, and that is Chris Herndon. And I'm not going to defend the job Herndon did in 2020 because it was bad. It was really bad. It would save the Jets $2.1 million if they cut him this offseason. But I, I think you keep Herndon because you don't really have much else at the tight end position. And I do think Herndon's got some upside. I think that there are one of two theories that could be true about Herndon. The first theory is that he's just not a good player, and that's certainly possible based on what we saw this last year. He's, he did not look like an NFL player the past year. But there is another theory. I think there's another plausible theory. This is a guy with decent athletic talent, and I feel like sometimes we forget that these guys who play in the NFL, I mean, they are different from you and I in some ways, but in other ways, they're not that different from you and I. And if you've ever had like a job you did not enjoy, you know how tough it can be to go to work. If you don't like your boss, it can be tough. And I think about Herndon's situation, and he was promised in the offseason that he was going to be a big part of the offense. And Adam Gase even told the press, he called them the unicorn. You know, he talked about how what a big part of the offense Chris Herndon was going to be. So you know that he went into the season with expectations. He'd be the featured part of the offense. And what did the Jets have him do? They had him block a bunch. They never really tried to get him the ball down the field. The team was losing. It had to be frustrating. He heard nonstop about how embarrassing the Jets were. You know, we can guess the situation, what the situation was with Gase in the locker room. And at some point, you know, you wonder whether a guy just gets disengaged because there was nothing good going on around him. And that's not that's not necessarily an excuse for him playing as poorly as he did last year, but it might be a reason. 
and in an offense where maybe he's featured a little bit more, where he, he can get a fresh start, maybe he, he can go out and produce next year. And you have to remember that Herndon doesn't need to be a superstar to be worth it for the Jets. If he can get back to being a quality starting tight end the way he was as a rookie, it's a pretty good thing for the Jets. So I'd like to see him get a chance. And part of this is just the Jets don't really have anybody else who's got upside at the tight end position on this roster. I think heading into last season, and I said this at the time, the greatest gap between perception and reality at any position group for the Jets was at tight end because people thought they were in great shape with Herndon and Ryan Griffin and Wesco. And there were really a lot of question marks there. I think heading into next year, maybe people are... I don't want to say they're a little too down on Herndon because he was really bad last year. I think I think it is fair to be really down on him. But one of the things that almost gives me a little bit of, bit of hope is that there's no way he could be as bad as the player we saw in 2020. There had to be something else going on there. So at around $2 million... Maybe it'll go badly. You know, maybe he'll just be a guy who doesn't look like he could, he belongs in the NFL, and that does happen. You know, sometimes guys have decent years, and then they they're never heard from again in the league. Herndon had a decent rookie year. Last two years have been lost seasons. It's certainly possible it happens again, but you're not really saving much money. So I'd bring him back. You know, chain stores offer different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everyone. RockAuto.com's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Super Bowl Sunday is a little over one week away, and there's only one place that has you covered, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code. It's locked on, one word, no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Thursday, talking about players the Jets may cut this offseason for salary cap reasons. In our first segment, I talked about players I think the Jets should keep, even though it would save them a few dollars to cut. In this segment, I'm going to talk about players where the picture is not entirely entirely clear. These are players I think maybe the Jets should keep, maybe they should cut them. It depends on a few different factors. And I'm going to start by talking about Jamison Crowder. And I know that's going to be controversial because I've written about it and people have gotten really mad when I've suggested that maybe this is a guy who could be cut for cap reasons this offseason. Crowder is set to count for $11.5 million against the cap. And he'd only cost a million dollars in dead money. So you're talking about $10.5 million in cap savings. And this comes down to like one thing for me is Jamison Crowder's a nice receiver, but he's not worth $11.5 million. And I hear people debate this and they say, this is a guy the Jets can't afford to lose. And 
I'm sorry, he's a nice receiver. DeAndre Hopkins is a guy you can't afford to lose at the wide receiver position. Jamison Crowder is a nice slot receiver who, you know, will get you like 700 or 800 yards in the season. When I wrote about this a little while back, I, I got a lot of anger directed at me. And one person wrote that Crowder is not the Crowder. The reason you don't want Crowder is that he's been miscast. He's a guy who shouldn't be the go-to guy in the offense. He should be like the third option. And I agree with that. But the thing is, if he's the third option, you don't pay the third option $11.5 million. Part of this is that the Jets are going to have a lot of cap space. And the wide receiver market's also really good this offseason. Nobody's saying that if you cut Crowder that you just give the job to Braxton Berrios to save money. The idea is that maybe you can get somebody who's better or somebody who's, who's a better value. If this was a market like the corner position in free agency and in the draft, that's a different story. You know, there aren't going to be many good corners available. This There are going to be a lot of good receivers available in the draft and in free agency this year. If you can't do better for $11.5 million, I mean, I don't know what you're doing. And I get this is, this is a guy who's been productive for the Jets, but I almost feel like with the Jets, the roster's been so bad in recent years that whenever somebody looks like a credible player, the assumptions the Jets can't afford to lose that guy... That's not all, that's not necessarily the case, though. You still have to find players who are good values. And I just think that there's a better value available. Not only that, but you also have to consider the system. Crowder's a guy who really plays the slot. He took over 70% of his sna snaps in the slot last year. I'm not sure what Mike LaFleur's offense is going to look like. You know, It's a dangerous assumption to make to think that he's going to install the San Francisco offense. It's also dangerous to assume that he's not going to adjust to the players he has, but San Francisco was not really an offense that just stuck one guy in the slot, the way maybe Adam Gase does. They like to move guys around. They like to use it to exploit mismatches. That's the way modern NFL teams operate in the slot. So a guy like Crowder might have less utility to a Jets offense run by Mike LaFleur. Now, on the other hand, Crowder could be useful because this is an offense that likes to run a lot of catch and run and Crowder is good with the decent with the ball in his hands so in that sense maybe he could be useful and there's another option on the table because again this is going to be a good receiver market part of the calculus here is that Crowder may not make 11 and a half million dollars in the open market and if that's the case he may be willing to take a pay cut or the, perhaps the Jets could work out a long-term extension with him to bring his cap number down. These, that's another option. So th there are lots of different factors at play here. But the Jets have more leverage here. And this is not a player where you, you step in saying the Jets can't afford to lose this guy. He's a nice player. If he's around next year, that's fine. Quality slot receiver. But let's keep it in perspective what Jamison Crowder brings to the table. This is not DeAndre Hopkins. This is not Devontae Adams. This is not Allen Robinson. This is Jamison Crowder. He's decent, but he's a role player. And the second guy I'm going to talk about who I could go either way on depending on what happens is George Fant. Fant will cost $9.4 million if he's on the team, $2 million in dead money if he's cut, so you'd save $7.4 million against the cap. Very inconsistent year for Fant. He was up and down. He's one of those guys, kind of like Van Roten. You can get by with him, I think, if you have a lot of good guys on your line. But unlike Van Roten, he's not super cheap. He's, you know, if he was 
a better tackle. You know, I don't think like nine million dollars is a lot for a tackle who's really good, but I just don't know how good Fant really is. And the way I look at it is kind of like this. If you have to go into the season with Fant as the right tackle, I guess you can live with that. But I don't agree with the idea that George Fant is good enough that he should be changing your plans if you come across an opportunity to add a really good right tackle, whether it's in the draft or free agency. And the value just matches up with where you're picking or the guy you're about to sign. He's okay. And... I know everybody talks about his athleticism and his upside, but you know at some point, upside ceases to exist. You're either a good player or you're not. And Fant is a guy who has now been in the NFL for five years. He's been on two different teams. He's had a couple different offensive coordinators now. He's had three offensive coordinators. At some point, he's 28 years old. He's going to be 29 at the start of the season. At this point, you're either good or you're not. I mean, I, I think I think we've reached a point with Fant where upside is no longer a consideration. If it hasn't happened for Fant by this point, I, I don't see any reason to expect him to turn into the dominant tackle that people have been projecting since he entered the league, you know, since his first couple of years in the league when the Jets signed him. I've been hearing it for a long time about Fant's upside. He hasn't reached it yet. He's turned himself into a guy who's an okay tackle, so if he can't do any better, you can live with it. The Jets have so much to fix that they may not, they may not just have the opportunity to do it, but if they can find somebody better, that's fine. And unlike Van Roten, I don't think Fant is a guy you can bring back at his current number just to be a backup. I think he's too expensive for a backup for what he brings to the table, so this is very much a it-depends situation. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the improved Built Bar is even more delicious. There are now six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp to go with the 12 original flavors. So 18 amazing flavors for Built Bar. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and like I said, they're just delicious. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N with no space. And you get 20% off your order at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Thursday, talking about players who maybe cut this offseason for salary cap reasons. And in this final segment, I'm going to give you players I think the Jets should cut. I don't think there's much debate that the Jets should cut these guys and save some money against the cap. And the first guy I'm going to mention is Ryan Griffin, who was signed prior to the 2019 offseason to be a backup. And in 2019, he took on a starting role because one of the players we mentioned in the first segment, Chris Herndon, spent the year either suspended or injured. Only played in one game. So Griffin stepped into a starting role. He had 34 catches for 320 yards, and he also had five touchdowns. And that led the Jets during the season to give him an extension. Heading into the year 2021, Griffin will count $3.325 million against the cap if he's on the team, $1.45 million in dead money if he's cut. So cutting Griffin would save the Jets $1.875 million against the cap. And that's not a big saving, but 
for what Griffin brings to the team, you could probably get it from for a guy you just signed for the league minimum. I thought the extension they gave him was kind of ill-advised at the time. You know, Griffin, as I mentioned, only had 320 yards on those 34 catches, so not a guy who stretched the field at all. Not a guy who really brings much in the blocking game. I mean, at best, he's a useful checkdown target when nobody covers him. I guess that's something, but I think maybe the Jets got a little carried away with the five touchdowns. But here's the thing. Five touchdowns, 34 receptions. If you look through the recent history of the NFL, guys with a touchdown rate that high, almost universally, stop producing touchdowns the next year. It's an unsustainable touchdown rate. You know, that's a touchdown rate of over 10%. Five touchdowns, touchdown rate well over 10%, five touchdowns on 34 receptions, that's not sustainable. And if you watch 2019, you could see where the touchdowns were coming from. The touchdowns were coming from busted coverages. It wasn't Griffin beating coverages. This should have been obvious to the Jets. And then they gave him an extension, knowing Herndon was going to come back and knowing Herndon was going to take the starting job and knowing that Adam, Adam Gase doesn't like playing two tight ends together. And the results were... Griffin catching nine passes for 86 yards this year in 2020. Not productive at all. So if a guy who doesn't really have many tools, guy who doesn't really have, didn't really have a role on the team, and they gave him an expense, they gave him, a, I don't want to say it's super expensive, but relative to what he produced, it was pretty expensive. So I, I don't see any reason to pay this guy above the league minimum. For the skills he brings to the table, you should be able to re- recreate that for the league minimum. So... I would let Griffin go. That one's pretty obvious. I think Alex Lewis is another guy the Jets should cut. Uh, he would say it would save them five point four million against the cap if he's cut. This was a guy I just never I never understood why the Jets brought him back, especially at the price they brought him back at. Lewis would cost cost the Jets seven million, a little over seven million dollars in cap space if he's brought back this year. And then again, they save five point three, five point four million if he's cut. He really was not that good when he played in 2019. And I think the reason they brought Lewis back on the on the contract that he got is kind of the same reason Griffin was brought back. It just seemed like Adam Gase really liked these guys. And that's just based on stuff you've heard from the media, stuff you heard from announcers during the game after speaking with the coaching staff. It just wasn't about performance. I, I mean, I don't really see what Lewis brings to the table as a guard. He's just not good. I mean, he just did not do a good enough job this year. Um, he did not do a good enough job in 2019 to get the contract he got from the Jets. You know, in 2019, the Jets' offensive line was one of the worst in the NFL, and Lewis was a big part of that. So I don't understand how you, you take a guy like Lewis who played poorly on a really bad unit, given given the extension he got. So that one's... I mean, I don't really know how how else to go into detail on Alex Lewis. I just don't think he should be brought back. It's one thing to, to pick him up as a backup in a trade for a late-round pick like the Jets did from Baltimore in preseason 2019, but give him, give him a bit decent contract as a starter. I never understood that one. And the last guy I think the Jets should cut heading into the year 2021, Henry Anderson. Anderson would cost $9.5 million against the cap if he stays, but would save the Jets $8.2 million if he's cut. Only $1.3 million in dead money or so. These are estimates. And with Anderson, it's not he's a bad player. It's just he's making too much money. This was a bad contract by Mike McCagnin. McCagnin, I think, fell for Anderson having a seven-sack season in the year 2018, his first with the team. 
And that was another statistical output that really was not sustainable because if you looked at the sacks Anderson was getting, it was not a case of him dominating his assignment. It was kind of him hustling, making sure he was in the right place at the right time, good positioning, but not an impact player. And I think the issue with Anderson is like in 2018, he was in the final year of his cheap rookie deal. And when you have a guy like Henry Anderson on a cheap deal, you focus on what he can do because he's a nice player. He's a good role player. He's a guy you can rotate on the defensive line. When you got him making eight, nine million dollars a year, you start focusing on what he can't do because that's the kind of money you're expecting impact. And Anderson just does not provide impact for you. He's a decent interior type defensive lineman. He does his job pretty effectively, but he just should not be making the kind of money he's making. And that money can definitely be better spent elsewhere. And that's especially true with the Jets having some talent on their defensive line, having some young talent up front. Anderson, I think, is a superfluous uh, guy to have anyway, considering the young defensive linemen the Jets have. And the fact he's making that kind of money, I think, makes the choice rather obvious. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Hope you have a good Thursday, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow to close out our week.